this morning. Man, that was some good worship. Good worship. Uh, Phil, you're doing a great job, brother. If you appreciate Brother Phil, would you just let him know by showing him some appreciation? Great job, man. He's, uh, he's one of the only deaf uh, music worship leaders that I know. And uh, he came in in between services. I know you can't tell, but he came in between services. He said, pray for me. He says, I can't hear a thing. He said, I just, I can't hear. I'm all, my ears, he, got, he wears hearing aids anyways. So uh, if you want to have fun with him, just stand back and go. Just walk. What? 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 That's fun. No, I'm just kidding. It, it's good time with Phil. He's a, but I tell you what, he loves Jesus, and he brings us to the throne of grace, and I'm grateful for him. He's doing an awesome job. If you have your Bibles this morning, let me encourage you to join me in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to pick up where we left off in verse number 23. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, we're going to pick up in verse number 23. While you're finding your place in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, uh, it is a joy. Every guest that we have is special. I'm grateful if you're visiting with us today. I hope that you filled out that yellow visit card and I do hope that if this is your first time and I do hope that uh, you'll stop by the Welcome Center and get a gift that I have for you uh, today. I'm delighted that you're with us. I have some special friends with me today. One of my former staff members uh, is here, uh, Mark Edwards and his wife Carla. It's a joy to have y'all in service today. Mark and Carla, we love y'all. I told the first service uh, and the second service, I might as well tell this service, uh, we had a secretary that um, really, really was um, protective of the pastor and just really watched out for the pastor, took care of the pastor, uh, make sure the pastor had everything that he need. Want to make sure the pastor was respected. And uh, so uh, one day this, this guy called and he said, hey, I want to speak to the head hog at the trough. <laughs> Man, she got offended. She said, excuse me? He said, I want to speak to the head hog at the trough. And uh, said, I'm sorry, sir, but that's my pastor. You're not going to refer to him as a hog. You, you ain't going to speak to him like that. Uh, he's a man of God. He loves God. And so I'm just telling you, if you're going to call here and talk to the pastor, you're going to respect him. And the guy on the other end said, oh, ma'am, said, I'm, I'm so sorry. said, I, I didn't mean to offend you. I, I had $10,000 I was wanting to give to the building fund. It was dead silence on the phone. She said, hang on, Porky just came in the door. <laughs> Okay, if you found your place, say amen. All right, if you're able to stand, would you please stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. Look at what the Scripture says this morning, beginning in verse number 23. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let not man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Now, let me stop right there and say something parenthetically. As if you're just joining us, we're just going through 1 Corinthians. We're going through the whole letter. And here we find ourselves where Paul's talking about his Christian liberty, or our Christian liberty, the liberty that we have in Jesus Christ. And he's going to be talking about how we're going to glorify God with our lives and the Christian liberty that we have. Remember, this all started back in chapter 8 and verse number 1. I mean, he's been dealing with this for a long time. I'll... 
say some more about that here in just a few minutes. But he says here in this text, let every man seek his own, uh, let no man uh, seek his own, but every man another's wealth. That word wealth, uh, you might notice in, your, in the passage of Scripture that you're reading, there is in italics, it's an implied word. He's not talking about your neighbor's bank account. He's talking about what's important to your neighbor, the things that are important to your neighbor. Seek what's important to your neighbor. And what's important to your neighbor is Jesus. That's what they need to know more than anything. They need to know how to receive salvation. And that salvation can only come through Jesus Christ. Remember, when we're talking about our Christian liberty, our Christian liberty, the bottom line is this, is that we want to see more people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And our focus is one. That's our focus for this year. One more. We want one more to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So it says, let no man seek his own, but let him seek his neighbor's. When his neighbor needs Jesus, verse 25, Whatsoever is sold in the shambles, that eat, ask no question for conscience' sake. Now, the word shambles there means meat market. Remember, this whole thing revolves around this question. Can a Christian eat meat that was sacrificed to idols? That's what started this whole discussion. And so when you see that word shambles there, he's talking about the meat market. He says, so whatever is sold in the meat market, he says, that eat it. Asking no question for conscience sake. So your, your conscience doesn't have a question. You, you don't have a problem with it. Just go ahead and eat it. Verse 26. For the earth's the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast and you be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you, eat asking no question for conscience sake. It says if your neighbor who's lost uh, invites you to a picnic or a barbecue next door and he goes to this uh, false temple, you remember you're trying to win him to Christ, he puts a spread in front of you. He says, if you don't have any objections in your conscience, you go ahead and, and eat that. Eat that barbecue, verse 28. He says, but if any man say unto you, this is, uh, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it. And for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Verse 28 just simply says this, if you're at that picnic or you're at that barbecue with another believer and that believer is a newly born young Christian. That's the context that he's speaking of here. And if that young Christian has not matured in their faith and they, they don't understand, they think that, that idol is real, then but they're born again. He says, listen, if they point that out, don't eat the meat. It is better to offend the host of the barbecue than to offend this young Christian, this young believer. That's what he's talking about there in that verse. Verse 29. He says, Conscience, I say, not thine own, but that of the other. For why is my liberty judged uh, for another man's conscience? For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for what that for that which I give thanks? Whether therefore ye eat, drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no man offense, neither to the Jew, nor to the Gentile, nor to the church of God. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. There it is again. And parenthetically, Paul is saying that my goal is to see lost people saved. And in doing so, saved people need to grow up. And therefore, my Christian liberty, I have to make sure that I, I handle that right. Then verse 11, or excuse me, chapter 11, verse 1. This is the end of the paragraph. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And then verse 2, he starts something new. You may be seated uh, for prayer. 
Heavenly Father, the best that I know how, once again, I yield myself to you only to be used as your word, your mouthpiece to speak your word today. So, Father, I pray you'd anoint these lips of clay. Lord, would you speak to us through your word. Help us leave here more challenged, more committed, more on fire, more passionate about the gospel. And, Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, that we all would be intentional in our witness as we share the gospel and that we would see others come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, I love you. I thank Thank you, Father, that you love us. I pray, Father, that you'd be with us now as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul is now ready to close this chapter on Christian liberty. And it's vitally important that if you're just joining us that we recap what Paul has already said. Remember, this started back in chapter 8, as we've mentioned before, with the question, can a Christian eat meat that was sacrificed to a false idol? And Paul just simply says, well, that depends. And it's taking him all the way, taking these three chapters, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, to explain himself. Because it matters in regards to your Christian maturity. That's vitally, vitally important. Your Christian maturity as far as your walk with Jesus Christ. And in doing so, there are several aspects of, of this that are of the utmost importance. And Paul points them out. Let me give you an example. In chapter number 8, in essence, Paul just basically says that when it comes to your Christian liberty, you are to use your liberty and your freedom in Christ for your enjoyment. Uh, the example we used last week, and I'll use it again this week, is bacon. Remember, in the Old Testament, if you were a God follower, you could not eat bacon. That was a no-no, no, 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 no. But now that Jesus Christ died on the cross and uh, he come back from the grave, he fulfilled every bit of the law. All the law was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So now we're no longer under the law. And those of us that come to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and Lord, the Bible says the laws of God are written in our heart. And the law that's written in our heart is the law of grace and we are saved by grace through faith and so what Paul is saying here is we have liberty to eat bacon bless God can I get a witness in this house how many of you had bacon for breakfast this morning Praise God, you love Jesus and can eat bacon. It's okay. That's the example Paul is given here. That we have this freedom. We're not under the law anymore. But then in chapter 8, he comes back and says this. But he says you should limit your liberty if it hinders someone's spiritual growth. Uh, He just simply is saying this. He says, if meat makes my brother stumble or if that bacon makes my brother stumble, then I'm not going to eat it in front of him. He's not as far along spiritually as I am. And maybe he just come out of that, that spiritual wickedness. And now he's got spiritual light. But he's a young believer. He's a young Christian. And he needs help. He needs to grow up just a little bit. So I, as a more mature believer, am going to limit my freedom and not eat the bacon in front of him. If, if you understand that, say amen right there. Okay, then he goes over to chapter 9. In chapter 9, he says two more things that is dependent on whether you can eat meat that's been offered to idols or in our case anything else in this world that we do. He says this number one he says limit your freedom if it hinders the gospel. Limit your freedom if it hinders the gospel. Missionaries practice this 
all the time, all the time. Let me give you an example. If you were to go to uh, our track rack and you were to fill two suitcases full of tracks, fill your pockets full of tracks, get on an airplane, fly to Israel or anywhere in the Middle East. If you flew anywhere in the Middle East and you stepped off that plane and you just started handing out tracks saying Jesus is the Messiah, they, number one, would detain you, number two, shackle you, and number three, put you on a plane and send you back home. You would hinder the the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the gospel's not welcome there. So how do we get the gospel in those places? You have Messianic Jews and you have missionaries that go and live amongst the people and they live out their faith in front of them and they come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. So he says here in this text in chapter 9, you've got to limit your freedom, limit your freedom if it hinders the gospel. But he says you can use your freedom if if it advances the gospel. If your freedom advances the gospel, then use it. Let me give you this illustration. Uh, several years ago, Mark, you're here, you can testify this. I got invited by the Tea Party to come and uh, to speak at the Tea Party, big Tea Party rally, that number, the first one they had. And uh, so a uh, guy called me on the phone. He said, listen, I'd like for you to come. And um, I had a little bit of a reputation just giving public invitations uh, uh, at funerals or any, any speaking opportunity that I had. I just give a public invitation. You want to come to Jesus? I'm a preacher. I think, here's my thing. As a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, why in the world would I not want to give somebody a chance to come receive Christ? I mean, that ought to be my number one uh, priority. Amen? You agree with that? So I believe it to be true. I'm going to answer to God for it. And so I said, look, I'll come, but I'll give an invitation. Uh, are you sure you want me to come? They said, well, I don't know. You kind of worry. You're a little weird on that. I said, well, I'm just telling you. They said, well, we heard you on the radio. We've, we've listened to what you had to say about our nation. Can you just talk about our founders, our fathers, our founding, and, and our, our Judeo-Christian heritage? I said, yeah, I'd be glad to. Uh, but the bottom line is, I'm going to share the gospel. And they said, okay, well, just come on. So I did share the gospel. Many, many people got saved that day. Many people got saved. I used that freedom that I had. I used the freedom of being in the United States of America, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, not being in fear that anybody was going to come lock me up, shared the gospel, and people got saved. He says, very simple, we need to be sharing the gospel. If our freedom can promote the gospel of Jesus Christ, do it. If our freedom can hinder the gospel, then reserve it, limit it, if you will. Then that gets us to chapter 10. We come to chapter 10, and Paul's already said two more things before he closes out. The first thing he said in chapter 10 is said this, overconfidence in your liberty has the potential of tempting you. You think about that. Overconfidence in your liberty has the potential of tempting you. I put it this way. A saved alcoholic, somebody that was involved in alcoholism, if they get saved, if they're born again, and they've got a burden for their lost people. I mean, they're, they're, they're lost people that need Jesus, and they've got a burden for them. It would not be wise for that individual to be so confident in his spiritual freedom for him to walk into the fuzzy duck and just start witnessing. It's dangerous. That's what Paul's saying. That is a dangerous thing. It would be better for him to pray, to grow in grace, to grow in his edification, get a team around him, go visit them in their homes, go visit them in other places, but do not go back into that bar. That overconfidence, if you would, has the potential of tempting you. And then he also said in chapter 10, he said an overindulgence in your liberty... 
An overindulgence in your liberty can cause you to fall into idolatry worship. So what was happening in Paul's day, if I could remind you of this. Remember, Corinth is like the modern day Las Vegas. I mean, they had, you name it, they had it. It was very, very hedonistic. If it felt good, you needed to do it. You had to do it. And so in Paul's day, what was happening is the Christians, they were becoming so overconfident uh, in their, in their um, uh, spiritual freedom, they began to overindulge in their spiritual freedom. And they were literally going to these temple worship services to these false gods just so they could eat. I mean, they, they thought it was like uh, they, they thought it was like uh, uh, the Dixie Stampede. I mean, they just enjoying. It was a good show. And we're going to eat something here in just a minute. And Paul says, "You can't practice that. You can't participate in that. You're participating in this adulter, this idolatrous worship. You are committing idolatry. Do not do that." And then that brings us to verse number twenty-three. Paul uses verse number 23 and following to close out his thoughts on Christian liberty. He's going to do so by pointing out two things believers must understand if our lives are going to bring glory to God. Now the first thing we've got to identify in this section of scripture is the key verse. The key verse in this passage of scripture is verse 23. If you see verse 23, say amen. All right. If you have your pen, pencil, lipstick, or mascara, I would underline, highlight, circle, put an asterisk by verse 31. Verse 31 is the key verse that unlocks this whole section of Christian liberty. Notice what it says. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. That is the key verse. And because that is the key verse, Paul is going to say, okay, if you want your life to bring glory to God, and you want to use your Christian liberty to bring glory to God, then there are two things I want to close out in reminding you of. Let's deal with the first one. And I'll come back tonight at 6 and deal with the second one. Number one, the first thing he says he says, if you want your life to bring glory to God, then you've got to understand the principles for using our liberty. The principles for using our liberty. Verses 23 through verse 30, these eight verses, gives us three principles that Paul wants us to put into practice in regards to our Christian liberty and how our lives can bring glory to God. Let me show you these three principles this morning. I hope that it'll encourage you. I've had a good, good response from it this morning. Notice number one, the first principle. The principle of edification over gratification. Let me say it again. The principle of edification over gratification. Look at what the Bible says in verse 23. The Bible says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Now, you will, if you have been taking notes during this uh, series, you have noticed that this isn't the first time Paul said this. As a matter of fact, Paul said this earlier all the way over in chapter 6. As a matter of fact, let's turn over just a few pages and let's look at chapter 6 and let's look at verse number 12 and let's just see what did Paul say. How did Paul say this? Look at what he says in chapter 6, verse 12. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. 
All things are lawful to me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Now, Paul is using the exact same terms, the exact same words, if you will, but he's changed the last part. In chapter 6, he says, all things are lawful to me. That is, everything that I'm doing as a born-again child of God operate under the law. Good things. Everything that I do is good. But everything that I do is not profitable. Let me use the bacon illustration if I could. You can eat bacon every single day. You can eat bacon three days a week. Man, you can have bacon in the morning, a BLT at night, and a bacon cheeseburger in the evening. I mean, you can just bacon yourself to death. And I promise you, you'll be okay. You'll enjoy it. It's lawful. You won't be wrong with God. But I'm telling you, it'll clog your arteries and you'll die. (laughs) You'll die. And so he says, all things are lawful to me. I mean, I can participate in eating bacon all day long. But it is not expedient. It's not profitable. Now, take that that little illustration with food or with bacon and put in anything else. Put in alcohol. Alcohol is lawful for me, but alcohol is not expedient for me. It's not beneficial for me. It might be permissible, but it is not beneficial. Uh, Put marijuana in there. Uh, put, put whatever you want to in there. Put pornography in there. It is not beneficial for you to participate in these things. Why? Because first of all, Paul says in chapter 6, I don't want to be brought under its power. Why? Because when you're brought under the power of a substance, you are substituting that in regards to the power you have as the Holy Spirit has inside of you. You ought to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, not be by controlled by some substance. And so Paul's saying this, I'm drinking all I want, I'm smoking all I want, I'm, I'm, I'm going and sleeping with temple prostitutes all that I want. The challenges, or the thing is, I don't want to. I don't want to do that, he says. I've been changed. I have freedom, but that freedom does not entitle me to trample on the grace of God. So he says, all things are lawful to me. They operate within the law, but they're not beneficial. They're not expedient. They may be permissible, but they will hurt me if I'm under its power. Now, turn back over to our text in chapter 10. And let's look at the last part of what he's saying here. He says, number two. He says, all things are lawful to me, but all things edify not. He says, all things do not edify. They do not build up. The word edify there means to build a house. They would use it. It always speaks of to build up somebody spiritually. It's always talking about spiritual growth. So he's saying there, in the New Testament, every time this word is used, it's talking about building up spiritual growth, building up other believers. So, Paul, here's my question for you, Paul. What is it? What are the things that edify? Can you tell me that? If all things are permissible to me, but all things are not uh, uh, beneficial to me, and I don't want to be brought under the power of anything but the power of the Holy Spirit. And if I'm brought under the power of the Holy Spirit then I'm going to edify others. What is it, Paul, that I use to edify other people? There are four things Paul talks about in his ministry. Three of them are found in the book of 1 Corinthians. 
One of them is found over when Paul's talking to Timothy. It's the first one I want to give you this morning. The first thing Paul says, if you want to have an others mentality, if you want to build others up, if you want to have this issue of being an edifier and not self-gratification, you want to be edifying, edifying someone, here are the four things you need to put in practice. Number one, the Word of God. The Word of God. If you want to edify somebody else, then you've got to give them the Word of God. Someone is hurting, they're sick, and they're depressed. You don't take a bottle of alcohol and say, here, drink this. This will make you better. Lord, have mercy. No way. You give them the Word of God. Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 7, all Scripture is given for uh, doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It's the Word of God that makes the difference in a person's life. So he says, not only if you want to have an other's mentality, you must first give them the Word of God. He says the second thing. He says, number two, the second thing you've got to do is you've got to preach and teach to them. You say, well, I'm not a called preacher. He's not talking about called preaching. He's talking about living a lifestyle that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, he's talking about communicating, having a language that matches a lifestyle where people see Jesus in your life and also in your language. Turn over if you would. We hadn't got to it yet, but he's going to make mention of this in chapter 14. Look at what he says in chapter 14 in verse 3 and 4. In chapter 14, the first thing he says there, in verse number 3, he says, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification. There it is. You see that? Now that word prophesieth there means to speak. It means to preach. It means to teach. It means to communicate the Word of God verbally. So he says, He that communicates the Word of God verbally speaks unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. But he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Dear friend, what I'm doing this morning, I'm speaking to you in a language by which you understand to edify the body of Christ because it is thus saith the Lord. And I'm going to tell you what, I wouldn't be in a church that didn't do anything different. I mean, it better say thus what, that's what God says. Thus saith the Lord. Preaching and teaching. Number three, let me give you a third one real, real quick. Love. If you want to have an other's mindset, you want to have an other's mentality, then you've got to be motivated and controlled by the love of God and the Holy Spirit. Paul, he's already talked about this. Uh, let's go back to chapter 8 where he started this whole discussion. Chapter 8. Look at chapter 8, verse 1. Man, listen to them pages turning. Isn't that a blessing? If you brought your Bible this morning, could you just hold it up and encourage your pastor? Good night. There's more in this service than there was in the last service. That's an encouragement to me. Look at chapter one, or cha verse, ch excuse me, chapter eight, verse one. Now, as touching things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. That is, everybody's a smart aleck. Can I, can I get a witness right there? I mean, that's really what he's saying. I mean, it, it is. He, everybody thinks they know something about anything. I mean, really. I mean, but really don't know nothing about any, whatever. So anyway, he says, knowledge, however, puffs up. But look at it. Don't run past it. What does he say? Charity edifieth. 
The word charity, again, is an old Greek, it's the old Greek language or the old English language. It's love. Love, he says, builds up. So if you want to edify others, if you want to have edification over self-gratification, then you need to give people the Word of God. You need to give people the teaching and preaching that come from the Word of God. You need to love them. And then number four, you need to participate in obedient service. Obedient service. Uh, Paul, he's already dealt with this. This is found over in chapter 6 again in verses 12 and following. Uh, when he specifically talked about these specific things, being in obedient service. You see, there are some young Christians, there are some young believers who want to get involved in things, but they haven't got involved yet. And when they see an older, more mature Christian that's been saved for a longer time, and they see that believer just sitting on the sidelines when they know they ought to be doing something, they know they ought to be in the game, they know they ought to be serving the Lord, teaching a Sunday school class, being an assistant teacher, being an outreach leader, doing something, being a participant in what's going on, then they are more apt to sit on the sidelines and say, well, so-and-so don't do it. And so by your obedient service, Paul says, it edifies others to be involved in service as well. So basically, Paul is saying just simply this. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And as you're doing it for God's glory, ask yourself the question. Am I edifying or am I gratifying? Am I edif- is what I'm doing, is it edifying others? Is it helping other young Christians be built up? Or, or is it just basic self-gratification? Now, uh, I'm, listen, Paul is not saying that you ought not to enjoy yourself. Bless God, I, I have more fun on, by accident than I do on purpose. I mean, I really, I really do. He's not saying don't have fun. But what he is saying is, listen, you, you, think, you better think twice. Before you participate. Let me give you an illustration like this if I could. You follow with me because we're about to go to number two. I'm almost out of time. Uh, Me years ago, Mark, we used to go to that pastor's conference down in Jacksonville, Florida. Now I remember one year we went to eat and we're all sitting there and they had them wine glasses out there, you know. And I asked for a bottle of water and they didn't have any of that, you know. What I drink right here? I, I drank uh, this Dasani is what I got, all right. Now they didn't have any of this right here. They had some of that fancy water in the fancy bottles, you know. Uh, in the kind that you drink with your pinky out, you know, that right there. And uh, I don't know why they didn't have any, but I, but I wanted water. And so uh, they brought this they brought this glass that looked like a wine, a wine bottle. And uh, I said, I, I, and I didn't make a big deal about it. I just said, ma'am, would you mind just bringing me like a tea glass? Just bring me a tea glass. And, 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 and before you get to the table, would you just pour the water in the tea glass? Just pour the water in the tea glass and bring it to me. And she did, and she sat it there on the table for me. Now, why did you do that, preacher? I did not want to offend. We were there with all those preachers, all those, and Christians too. They were all coming. I didn't want to offend a younger brother or a younger sister by them looking up and going, look at that preacher over there. Hey, what is that? Is he drinking? Now listen to me. Now you follow me. I'm not saying you can't drink your root beer out of a bottle, your IBC root beer. That's okay. All right? It's okay. 
I'm just saying, Paul says, this is why it's such a complicated thing in regards to our Christian liberty. It depends on the scenario. It depends on the situation. It depends on what's going on. Let me give you another illustration in regards to this issue of gratification uh, versus uh, edification. I hate to bring this up. I really, really do. But how many of you remember when Alabama beat Georgia? How many of you know I'm an Alabama fan? I mean, I come from Alabama. I come out of Alabama. Okay. All right. So, it's okay. Look, we're all brothers and sisters in Jesus here. Now, he, he, here's the thing. How many of you remember what I said that Sunday morning? You remember what I said? What did I say? Somebody tell me. It's okay. You can talk in church. You didn't bring it up. I didn't bring it up. What did I bring up? Anybody remember what I brought up? Right there. Right there, Keith. Stand up there, please. He's a deacon. I can embarrass him. <laughs> what, is it, what did I say, Keith? He probably did this on account of me, y'all. <laughs> he said, uh, it's all about this. Word of God. Ain't no football game. He can stand up and holler at a football game, which I do. He can stand up and holler for this. Right. It's all about this. That's exactly right, Keith. It's all about this. Now, I said that doing double backflips in my heart. <laughs> do you, do you, how many of you see the principle? You see the principle I'm talking about? All right. Edifying the church and not gratifying myself. Not coming in and saying, bless God, day one, I'm going to get it to them because I'm going to tell you right now, there have been times in the past where we lost and every one of them stuck it to me. I'm going to get them back. I didn't do that. I did. I, I did not do that. No. I, what I, look, I want to edify the body of Christ. What's more important to me is not who wins a football game, but where you spend an eternity. That's what I care about. I do. I do. I mean it with... I'm not just preaching. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. Would to God I'd never see another football game if one more person would come to Jesus. I got to give you this second one. We'll be here all blame day. Number two, here's a second principle. Number two, very quick. The principle of liberty, watch this, over legalism. The principle of liberty over legalism. Uh, look at it again when you get home, verses 25 through 27. This is the second principle for using your Christian liberty <clears throat> for the glory of God. Using it for the glory of God, liberty is more important than legalism. As, here's what he's saying in the text. As much as possible, as much as possible, we should keep from offending the weaker conscience of a brother or sister in Jesus Christ. But we, we should not go to the legalistic extreme of making a great issue out of everything that we do. Man, I've met believers. Man, they, they take everything to the extreme. I mean, your hair can't touch your ears. You got to have your shirt tail tucked in. You got to have a belt. Uh, you, you can't have any facial hair. Y'all be in trouble with that one right there. I'm here to tell you. Uh, not just for me. I mean, for everybody. Good night, every one of them. We all rednecks. Can I get a witness right there? Here's a... No dancing. 
good night. Don't you dare dance. I shared this with the uh, second service. I didn't share it in the first service. I want to share it with you. And uh, Miriam and I, we didn't, we didn't dance at our wedding. I mean, we thought if you danced, you, I mean, that's it. You lost your salvation, went, went to hell. I mean, it was bad. I mean, we really. I tell everybody I'm a recovering independent Baptist. That's what I tell them. <laughs> and so when I got, listen, I got here. And I, I'm a Southern Baptist. I've been a Southern Baptist for a long time. I mean, really. So I got here. And um, they're not here in this service. Uh, they, they must be out. But the farmer wedding. Uh, Jessica uh, uh, Farmer and uh, uh, Robert. Robert and Jessica Farmer's wedding. I've been here too long. And uh, David did the wedding. I mean, it's a beautiful wedding. We went over to the Civic Center, where the, the Commerce Civic Center, where we're going to have the wild game down this year. Uh, went over there, and uh, man, it was like a worship service. Man, everybody's praising God and singing praises to the Lord. And, and, and man, it was just absolutely incredible. It was amazing. And I was so moved. I did something that I never, ever, ever have done in my whole life. And, and Miriam, she's sitting here. She'll tell you. I said, let's dance. And we went out there and danced. Now, I said that in that first service, and you always got some smart aleck sitting out there. You know what I'm talking about? So he comes up to me, coach, coach comes up to me, and he says, I could just see you, Pastor, out there at dance floor. I bet you look like John Travolta. <laughs> he said, I bet you went like that right there. <laughs> Listen, I learned something that, that day. I learned that I can't dance. My poor wife's feet, bless her heart, I stepped all over. But here's the thing. It was a worshipful type environment. And man, I, I felt so uh, at liberty, something I've never felt before. Liberty is much better than legalism. That's what Paul is saying here. And look at what he says in verse number 24. He says it very, very simply. He says, Let no man seeketh his own, but every man his own, another's what think about his neighbor. He goes on to say, down, down uh, a little bit further, verse 26, For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Uh, this is a, a quote from Psalm chapter 24. And he's just simply saying, Look, it's so much better to go with this issue of Liberty than to go all the way to the other extreme and be a legalist. Let me give you another real personal illustration if I could. And uh, I've shared it with you before, but I, I, think it's, I think it's beneficial. I really do. So I, I was greeting people on the way out of church one day. And, uh, a new Christian came through. And as this new Christian came through, a um, brand new believer in Jesus Christ came through. And... Uh, I had obviously made some comments about our debt, and we needed to uh, get the debt out, get the debt out of the way and get some debt relief. When he come by and he shook my hand and he said, "Preacher, I'm gonna tell you right now, if I hit this," and he opened up his vest pocket and there was a lottery ticket, Georgia lottery ticket sitting right there. If we hit this, I'm gonna pay the debt off. And I looked at him, I bet, I mean, like a calf looking at a new gate. And he, it hit him. I mean, it hit him. Boom. I didn't condemn him, Justin, or anything. His eyes got as big as half dollars. He said, I shouldn't have bought that, should I? <laughs> and I said, well, brother, you already bought it. Let's pray that you hit it and get this debt paid off. <laughs> but you, listen, the, the, the point is this. The point is this. 
not being a legalist and crushing this man to the point that you kick him when he's down. He already felt guilty for buying it when he realized, well, I shouldn't have done this. But to edify him and to help him. Do you know he never bought another one? He never bought another one. Okay. Number three. Some of you are going to take that home with you. You're going to be thinking about that one. Number three. The principle of conscience over condemnation. The principle of conscience over condemnation. Verse 28 and following. Uh, 28, uh, down to verse 30. 28, 29, 30. He says, But if a man say unto you, This is offered to a sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showeth you. In conscience sake. Uh, again, let me stop right there and just go ahead and say this. What Paul is saying here is that a weaker, immature believer in Christ and yourself go to a barbecue. And at this barbecue, the neighbor is lost. The neighbor doesn't know Jesus as Savior. And so the neighbor offers meat that's been sacrificed to an idol. And you take that meat and you know that there's nothing to it. It doesn't bother your conscience. It doesn't affect you at all. You're going to eat that. But if that weaker brother that's a new Christian says... That meat's been sacrificed to idols. Paul says it is better to take the plate and set it aside and help the younger believer, help the younger believer and the younger believer's conscience and offend the host of the barbecue. Offend him so that you can protect the younger Christian. Why? Well, because what Paul's wanting to do is to bring these young Christians up. Paul knows, watch, he knows the gospel is offensive. The gospel's offensive. It's offensive today. And he says, the gospel's already offensive. So when you offend that host for not eating the, the meat that they provided, and they may be offended, they're going to ask you, why didn't you eat that meat? And you've got an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Remember what Paul's goal is. You remember what Paul's goal is? Look at what Paul's goal is in verse 33. We'll come back to this tonight. He says, even as I, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. Paul says, I want to help young believers grow up in Jesus Christ, and I want to win lost people to get saved. I want to see them come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So, in regards to my Christian liberty, there are some things that I can do, and there's some things that I won't do. It's not that I can't do anything, because I can, but all things are not beneficial to me. And so I want to ask you a question this morning as I close. I want you to think about your Christian life. I want to think you to think about your Christian liberty. In regards to this issue of, of edification over gratification, do you practice that? Do you practice building other believers up, or do you say, that ain't no big deal, I can do it, and just gratify the self, self-gratification? Here's number two. Liberty over legalism. Have you allowed legalism to shackle you to the point where you just, you, you don't enjoy your Christian liberty? You don't enjoy it. You don't enjoy it because you've got so many rules and regulations. Christianity for you is everything that you can't do. Can't do this, can't do that, can't do this, can't do that. And then number three, conscience over condemnation. When somebody, a young believer, a young Christian who has not been matured in Jesus like you have, if they are offended by something, 
that you're doing? Do you condemn them or do you help them? That's what Paul says here. He says, in regards to our Christian liberty, it's not just, yes, you can eat the meat. There's a lot of factors you've got to take in consideration. Now, remember what the key verse is. He says, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So here's the deal. You want to know, can you drink? Can you drink alcohol? Does it glorify God? You know, can I smoke? Does it glorify God? Can I cuss? Does it glorify God? Whatever you do, does it glorify God? Here's the standard by which Paul wants us to live by. Let's bow for prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're here today and maybe you struggle with some of these principles. And the reason why you struggle with them is because you've never been born again. You've never been saved. You've never trusted Christ to save you. You've just tried to turn over a new leaf. But the bottom line is simply this. When you get in a situation, you do turn to alcohol. When you get in a situation, you do turn to pornography. When you get in a situation, you do turn to drugs or, or whatever the case may be. You don't turn to Jesus. You turn to something else. You're not filled with the Holy Spirit. You're filled with junk. And you need to get that cleaned out today, sir. Listen to me. God's speaking to you. He's got a word for you, sir. Why not put it down today? Give the Lord Jesus Christ your whole life. Just give him your life. And say, I'm coming to you, Lord, just as I am. I'm coming to you just as I am. I'm broken and I need healing. I've run to liquor. I've run to ladies. I've run, I've run to lascivious lifestyles. I have run everywhere, but today I'm running to the Lord. Would you do that today? Man, would you stop running to, the, stop running to alcohol? Run to the Almighty God. Say, how, preacher? How can I do this? How can I run to God like that? According to the Word of God, according to the Bible, the Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You can be saved. You can be redeemed. You can be restored. You can be forgiven. You can have a connection to God if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. That's what I want to give you an opportunity to do right now at this particular moment. If you want to connect with God, if you want to be saved and forgiven, if you're tired of running to everything else, and you want to run to the Lord? And why don't you say something like this from your heart to God's heart? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And you rose again the third day that I might have life eternal. And this morning, I confess my sin and I repent of my sin. And I trust you as my Savior. Thank you for saving me. I'll live for you. In Jesus' name. Now with our